Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am your host, Judy Gold. This week we have part two of my conversation with John Laster. He is such a great guy. In fact, I was doing a set last night at the Comedy Cellar and he was hosting the show and I was just so happy to to see him because he's as you will hear more this week he's just a phenomenal person so sit back relax and enjoy I love you so you graduate but you're you're done with the basketball like you're you because you were on your end you were on your way to you know going into the NBA it was like yeah this is my, my next step is the NBA you said that you didn't have, you were too immature. You didn't have the work ethic. You were sort of defiant and like, fuck this shit. Yeah. Um, but you do get a BA in um, economics with an emphasis on poverty. Yeah. Did you do well academically? I mean, or were you 
just interested in that? Or did you, yeah, I mean, I do you think you learned, you said that you learned that, that the key is to move money around. Well, well to, to, you know, in, in any population, like if the circulation of the, of the dollar, if you're not, if the money, if your money's not circulating as a marginalized population, then you're going to stay in the same place. You know, and I learned that at a, at a, a very young age. So yeah. But economics is a hard major. Not at all. I don't think so. I don't think okay. any of that stuff was all that difficult in college, not to mention, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, we had a lot of people helping us out. Oh, yeah. They get, I know, Ben, they have a lot of tutors. A lot of tutors. I had a lot of tutors and a lot of women uh, yeah. that, that were good at paper. Uh, oh, I bet you did. So your sister lives in New York. Your dad lived in New York. You decide that you're going to move to New York. You take one box and you go to your sister's apartment and Desiree, uh, and you sleep on her couch and you get a telemarketing job. Is that correct? Yeah. Telemarketing. Yeah. Aren't I good? You get a telemarketing job. Uh, you're not really making a lot of money, but your sister leaves the apartment to go to law school, right? And and you get the apartment. Yes. And you start doing stand-up, which is so brilliant. Because okay, so when I started doing stand-up, there were no there we didn't even the the idea of a bringer show was fucking what do you mean you have to bring people it's like the co- clubs were packed it was the 80s you know there were so many pl- i mean i could get on stage like five times a night in the beginning i'd go to some happy hour then i'd go some other shit shithole and another shithole and hang out and try to get on during the week i could do that so you start producing your own shows yeah and getting on stage like four times a week, which is unheard of. Yeah. And you say you ate shit a lot. You didn't, you were not, you got on stage and it was your first, because usually it's like the first set you do, you get laughs. And then it's the second set. You're like, oh, that didn't work again. You know, like, because you're so adrenaline up. Yeah. And you realize this is a lot of fucking work. And you said, you promised yourself you weren't going to, you had learned so much from not applying yourself that you weren't going to do that again. You weren't going to have shitty work habits. And you know what I think that I, I think that I learned also though, too, was, you know, like when I, when I got to my sister's house, I wasn't making any money back then. Right. I mean, I made so little money because I had an internship. And then I also had a, a part-time job that I would go to, the telemarketing job. But I remember one time going into the, the boss's office because my check was wrong, right? And I said, hey, man, you know, my check is it's $50, supposed to be $53. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot. Right, <laughs> but, but it is when it's 50, like yeah. 40 ounces, would you fucking- You know what that is? Well, for me, it was an order of cold, cold sesame noodles, which was yeah. usually my dinner, yeah. Yeah, so I had to go in there and fight for my $3, but I was making so little money, right? He said, man, what are you talking about? And I said, yeah, man, you know, my check's supposed to be 53. And he said, 
He just went in his pocket. Threw three dollars at you. Threw three dollars at me. The crazy thing is, I didn't even take any offense to it. I just grabbed. Right. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And went back and started making some more phone calls. But yeah, so I'm getting on stage and I'm bombing like hell. But I think what was your where was your first set? Uh at the Boston. Boston Comedy Club. Yeah. You don't put me on stage, Will. Sil Vince. No fucking way. Will Sylvain. Will was on the podcast. He is my boyfriend, husband. I love Will. Will is the greatest guy in the whole yeah. fucking world. Will so he, he put put you on stage. Yeah. But I think my big takeaway though from from one of the there was obviously there's there's way too many to name right now, but I but I have learned. So when I get to my sisters, I sit down on the, 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 the chair. I, I have one box. It's all I brought from Colorado. And I just started bawling. And I remember my sister saying, oh, she was panicking. Because I wasn't that guy. I'm not very, like, the emotional type of person. Right. I'm, I'm pretty steady. But I remember my sister jumping up and she was like, hey, don't worry. You don't have to stay. You know, I, I have money. I can, don't worry. I know mom's going to be mad about the ticket, whatever. I can buy you a ticket home. And I remember telling my sister, I wasn't crying because I wanted to go back home. I was crying because I was never leaving. Right. You were never leaving New York. Yeah. Well, if, if I did, it was going to be in a box. I right. had learned that lesson from Minnesota. Stay the course. And my coach and Coach Loma used to tell me that all the time. Even if you do go to Minnesota, no matter what, stay. You right. Just, you got to stay. So it kind of all. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to get out of here. And my I had learned through such a hurtful, you know, painful way. You must stay. Fight through it no matter how bad it gets. You will eventually come out the other side. OK, but you can't pack up and run because you can't go back. Yeah, and I there's don't. nothing there for you. Like there's nothing there for you waiting for you. You can't. I, I love that. I and you've into a jam in Colorado State. And so I had learned that the hard way. So I was just, and I'm bombing and I'm bombing. But to me, it didn't matter because I'm not going back. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? And I'm going to fucking figure this shit out. Yes. I'm going to fucking figure it out. Yes. You then do figure it out and you decide I'm going to be really clean and you get a shitload of colleges. And start making a shitload of money, which is great. And, and, you know, now, of course, you can't fucking, there's a whole, like, you go to college, like, it's, you have to be a, do a puppet show for someone not to be fucking offended, you know, finger puppets. And don't use the middle finger because everyone's fucking offended. But you, you make a lot of money and it's funny because you have two personalities. You have your club personality and you have your working clean thing and you're making money you get a lot of girl you have a mistress and you have a girlfriend you know like you're just i i heard that you were doing shows for some dope dealer is that correct all over the place i mean i was i started on the hood circuit so there was a lot of dope dealers but i mean i i actually i used to Shit, I work for some dope dealers. These these guys in Texas, I'm not snitching. They already went to jail. Uh, I was. I remember flying down there one time when I first. I always. First of all, How did they find you? 
my agent who had was booking me for the colleges, he, they had asked him, hey, we're trying to put this show on. You know, he met them in passing and they were like, they, we're trying to do a show in Austin. He said, I can send you some comedians. So that's how they found me. He said, I got a great guy and he was managing me. Um, so he sent me down there and they were like- Was he Jewish? No, 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 no. Okay. Jeff, Jeff was, uh, Jeff worked with Will and them at the Boston. Oh, okay. Yeah, black guy, really, really smart guy. Um, and so he sent me down there. But I, first of all, red flag, Buki and Cowboy are their names, right? That's hilarious. <laughs> They're washing money at this club. And I remember one time, we, we they come to get me from the airport. We pull into this gas station. This is what they said. They said, hey, man, we going in there to pay for the gas. If anybody put some Tide boxes in the trunk, don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Wait, Judy so, go, Judy, so they go into the gas mart, right? And I'm talking about with almost, you know how they make those Intel computer checks? With almost yeah. that type of precision, as they get out the car, a Jeep pulls up, opens up the trunk, starts loading up the trunk with these Tide boxes, closes the door, pull out. They come out of the, the gas mart, get in the car. And then they said, hey, man, anybody put any boxes in the trunk? And I was like, because oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you answer? I don't want to answer and say that I saw right. it. Right, right, right. But I didn't want to not answer and then think that the, the boxes ain't in the trunk yet. And now they got to go shoot somebody. I was like, and they was like, never mind, man. And then it just pulled off. What kind of car were you in? Oh, they had a 500 at the Big Ben. Oh my God. And you're like freaking out. Oh, big. big. And you I'm, haven't I'm, even I'm, done your show yet. So I'm, I'm from the hood. You know what I mean? Right. But, but it was just like, if you, if I was wondering what their hustle was, I didn't have to wonder anymore. And then we get back to the hotel, of course. And they was like, yo, John, they would, they would always, I would get down there. Sometimes they would have a girl in the room for me and liquor. So they was like, hey, man, you can take old girl, man. Y'all can go to this other room that we have. And I was like, okay, yeah. So I grabbed the, the Hennessy and the Alizé and the girl. And, and they come in the room, right? <laughs> and I remember they, they they called the room. They said, hey, man, y'all you know y'all still having sex or whatever? I was like, nah, we good. They was like, okay, you come back to the room. So I go back to the room, and there's this blue ring around the bathtub, you know, where they were testing to make sure it was real coke. Oh my God. <laughs> I never told anybody that story either. That is the best time boxes. Hey everyone, you know what I just did? I tore, I poured, and I enjoyed a packet of liquid IV because I love liquid IV. Liquid IV is a major part of my life. And I just worked out with my trainer and I had a delicious lemon ginger liquid IV. That one has a little extra. That has a little green tea in it. And so that's a little caffeinated. So I enjoy that because I needed it today. And you know, it's getting warmer out. And what does that mean? Summer. Oh, God, please come. It can't come soon enough. And that means you have to hydrate. And that's what Liquid IV does. It hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, vitamins, 
and clinically tested nutrients. And it has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in one little stick. And that's why Liquid IV is the number one powered hydration brand in America. Okay? And I love it. I use it every day. Ben's basketball team uses it. It is a science-backed formula that works. It keeps you hydrated. And they have sugar-free. They have sugar-free packets in white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime. Okay? I didn't do the sugar-free. Okay. But Elisa does the sugar-free. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay hydrated because it's very, very important. And Liquid IV has been a longtime sponsor and I love them and they are a quality product. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn your ordinary, ordinary, can't speak, turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold at checkout. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, can't even say my name, at liquidiv.com. Got it? You're welcome. Is this the beginning of you becoming an addict? Absolutely. Um, so they, you started using, but did you ever, were you ever into drugs before this? No, my bestie was, uh, I'll keep in mind, shit, for all the women that I had, my best friend is a strip club DJ. So, <laughs> he, yeah, I know. It's just, a, it's Sodom and Gomorrah, both of our apartments, right? So he starts making a shit ton of money. I'm, I'm, I have four comedy clubs. He is the DJ of four strip clubs. So the girls would, because he's in the booth, they couldn't use their phones. So they would be like, hey, could you call this number and get this delivered here for me? So he's doing that constantly while he's DJing. And then one night the light bulb goes off. Why don't I just buy the Coke? Right. So now your best friend is buying Coke for the strippers. It's got Coke now in mass. He's selling it to the strippers. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. of course, there's Coke, there's pills everywhere. Right. And eventually, we start dabbing and the rest was, you know, and then it just. And so you said you loved ecstasy, cocaine, and Grey Goose vodka. Oh, well, you know what? I think we started with, I don't know what I started with. I don't think it was Grey Goose. I ended up with, I ended it with Kettle One, but I Oh, think, Kettle One, Kettle One, that's right. Yeah, Kettle One. Because, and I heard you speak about vodka, which I drink vodka, and I hate Tito's so much. Uh, uh, it, the, the advertising is great. What is amazing, and right. they're a good company, but it's it's made from corn. Right. I always order potato vodka. I like Chopin. Um, you know, I like potato vodka, Boyd and Blair, you know, and every time I go to a restaurant and I said, oh, maybe I'll have a martini. And I say, oh, do you have any potato vodka? They're like, oh, we have Tito's. I'm like, it's corn. It is. Yes, it's made out of corn, you fuckhead. Um, <laughs> how long did you use for? Oh, God. And how old are you at this point? When I started using 
And it's so amazing that you had avoided using for so long, you know? Yeah, we had to we had to have started using maybe 25, I guess. Started using it yeah, 10 years or so. And you did this probably 10 years straight, yeah. You nine, did it for 10 nine, years straight. Nine, 10 years straight, yeah. How did it affect your comedy? How did it affect your career? You know what? I think that it, I mean, I just think that I, I, there's no way to tell, but I, I would have to imagine that you would have been, I would have been so much further along. I would like to think that there's no real way to know in the business that we're in. Oh, please. Yeah. Yeah. but But I would, but I would have to think that, you know what I mean? Did you, did any, like, I can't imagine Will, did Will know? Yeah. I like, I can't imagine, you know, we're such a tight community. Like, I can't imagine Will not saying, hey, bro, like. I, I think, I think everyone knew. I, I know that, uh, you know, recently, probably in the last couple of years, I bumped into an old promoter and uh, Mike Yard. I would host the first show. Cypher would host the second show. Mike Yard would host the third show at what was called the Laugh Lounge. Mike Yard, another podcast guest who I love. Yes. Lower East Side. And I I remember talking to Mike, you know, a couple of years ago and and the promoter. And I remember them saying, yeah, man, you came there one night. And it wasn't until like you turned when you were on stage and we saw this bottle, like a flask or a bottle in my back pocket. And they were like, you were forgetting punchlines, this, that, the other. <gasps> I remember Mike saying, him and him and this guy, Bert Smooth, saying that when you left, we were in the office, and Bert asked him, is that the last time we're ever going to see him? Wow. And Mike said, I don't know, maybe. That might, that may have been it. But I was, I was very, I was teetering. Teeter. I mean, How much were you using? I don't need, I mean, there was just, I don't know. There was just Coke everywhere. Right. <laughs> so we would, I would try to have some semblance of, not sobriety, but some semblance of sanity before I went on stage. So I would go on stage not having a drink before. Right. I would wait to the end of the show, but then we would drink until, you know, 12, one in the afternoon the next day, fall asleep, wake up, show would be seven, eight, and then I would go. No drinks right before I walked on stage. And then afterwards. And then afterwards, the ball would be, we would go to after hours, you know, that opened at like three in the morning or so. Yeah. How did did you stop? Uh, I first went to rehab and then I just had to find a way to, to, um, to, to shelve it a day at a time. Did someone tell you to go to rehab? Did you? Oh, no. Every, we, we, everyone knew. (laughs) Right. I was very suicidal. I mean, I used right. to end up watching those goddamn puppy commercials with the, you know. Oh, the- I can't. I cannot with the fucking dog freezing and the freezing cold and Sarah <laughs> McLaughlin or whatever the fuck you know, her name. I would watch those commercials, Judy, and I would be bawling. <laughs> I can't. I have to turn the channel. I have to fucking turn the channel. Yo, when you have been using and, and as an addict and you're depressed because it gets you after a right. while, you're just in a constant state of depression with Coke and and uh, and and Bacardi in your system. But for some reason, I used to think that like every night I'd be like, somebody's got to get these puppies. 
So you go, you go to rehab. How long did you go to rehab for? 28 days. The first time, yeah. I mean, I went to rehab, I think, twice, maybe three times. But I went to outpatient and outpatient and uh, detox and detox and detox and rehab. Outpatient and detox and rehab. And then eventually, you know, the, 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 for some people, God bless them, um, ending their addiction, you know, because I've talked to millions of people who have, are in recovery. Some people you got to think of it as a lamp, right? You pull the, the cord out and socket, bam, it's over. Some people, like myself, you should think of as a train moving down a track. Doesn't matter how hard you slam on the brakes, it's going to take a while for the train to stop. Even right. That's all intention of fully coming to a stop. It's just not going to stop like that. Or the way that a plane lands, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. It's not the plane, but there's momentum. Right. You know, sparks flying, noise. That's how my addiction came to a close. It, I had every intention of completely stopping, but it took me a while. Sparks flying, screaming. I think that's common. I think it's more common that it takes a lot, several rounds. Um, do you find that, that our community is helpful that, I mean, I, um, I think so because I think, you know, sometimes we, we, I never cease to be amazed. Like when I see someone who's sober and they say, yeah, I used to be fucked up. Cause you know, when you see someone who's come out the other side, you're like, you, you're so, you know what I mean? You're such a, thoughtful this right like eh, not when i was not when i was fucked up you know so we see the end the results of the work that they put in so sometimes that's shocking to me and it's like oh, okay that's that's good that i could look at this person and uh and see that they got through too but um but yeah you just gotta you you know yeah you gotta, it's you like know. it's amazing i mean i i knew voss when he was using and you know he's a fucking genius he's hilarious like you can't follow Voss. Voss is a powerhouse, but yeah, it was like a different person. I just give you guys so much credit. It's such a hard thing to have to deal with. Um, and it's so great that you talk about it. Did your mother know about what was going on? And I mean, your siblings oh, or yeah. everyone knew. Absolutely. I mean, even when you, even seemingly when you are, you're okay. I remember my ex-girlfriend, we were, is this the one who who died last yeah, year? Passed away, yeah, during the pandemic. We, and she died of alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. So sad. All related death, yeah. So yeah, we used to live over on Vanderbilt and St. Mark's, but I remember one time I'm sitting there. It was a very nondescript door. You really had to know where you were going. No one ever knocked on that, and then you had to come up three flights of stairs. Right. Literally, no one ever knocked on that door. So I'm sitting there. Somebody knocks on the door, and I was so annoyed. It's got to be someone who lives in the building. No one even knows where this place is. And I open the door. It's my mom and my brother. Wow. Who had flew in from Denver. Oh, boy. And it was just, you know, out of concern. They were like, oh, we were in the neighborhood. Oh, get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, you weren't just in the... Right. Like, they were nervous. So they, um, yeah. Wow. So out to, uh, to check out. And never said anything the whole time they were there. They were like, hey, you want to get something to eat? So we went to eat. They came to my show later that not once did they say anything. I mean, that really affected me. You right. Know, one of those times you're like, man, I got to pull it together. This yeah. Wow. It's, it was the same type of thing as when my mom said, hey, look what's happening to your brother. Right. You know? Right. And you see how your behavior 
affects other people. That's the worst part of it. Yes, I totally agree. I I agree as a parent, you know, as Ed, and you see, oh my God, I got to fix this in myself because I don't want my kids to. So my very last outing, I got put out of the club and Esty called me and that was, that was the end of my drinking. You know, she said, Hey, you can kill yourself, but you're not going to do it in front of me. Wow. I'm not going to go home stressed out about Esty. Sorry. Like this. Uh, Yeah. So she, good uh, for Esty. I love her. Yeah. She, she, uh, she put the screws to me and then she said, you know, you can keep working, but you, you're going to have to come down. You can't send in your avails. You got, and I was like, yeah, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll bring this to a close. She said, yeah, that's not good enough. You're going to come down here every Sunday so I can look at you. God you damn it, Esty. Good for you. You know, you look different when you're drinking. So I had to go down there so she could look at me and we would sit there and eat. And then, uh, and then I would send in my avails. If I send Esty four days, she sends me four days. So I, I finally get back into the club. She finally says, okay, you know, it's, it's keep in mind, this is three months. Right. Like some overnight thing. She made me come down there for three months, not working. I finally go down there. She said, okay, you can send your bills. So I send my bills. I send in seven days. I haven't been working in three months. She sends me back one day and I was like, oh shit, I'm in trouble. Right. And I was sitting with Keith, Keith Robinson. And I said, man, I'm in trouble. Another like, guest on the podcast. Go ahead. Yes. I was like, dude, I'm going to be one of those people that she only books once a week now. And he said, no, man, you know, be patient because I noticed she's still pulling for you because she only books you downstairs. So, so right. she wants you sitting here with her. Right. Again, he said, you know, you're in trouble when you get two fat blacks at a wall. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I got this week? Three fat blacks. Okay. <laughs> People don't understand. The comedy cellar has four rooms, fat black lounge, fat black bar, village underground, and the comedy cellar. And I got three fucking, one fat black bar and one and two lounges. And I'm like, what the fuck? I've been working here since 1987. Yeah. So SDI, yeah, she, she made sure that I was, I was done with my drinking, but yeah, she, I love her for that. So that's 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 really the. You that, got a lot of Jews in your corner. Yeah, that was Jack Loman, Esty Adorum. Yeah, fat black that. fucking pussycat. Um, Esty, uh, that was the end of my drinking. Good for her. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did? Is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, 
They have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out fast growing trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. You started this Blap app, which I fucking love. But I, I, I have to, you have to tell the story. One week after fuck orange piece of cunt shit fuckhead scumbag is elected, you are doing a set and a guy comes up to you, I guess at the bar? And says, at I, it was at Gotham. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I was supposed to say that. No, that's fine. Yeah. And he comes up to you. You're at the at Gotham. And he says, you know, he started chiding you or, or telling you not to do political stuff. And you can't say anything anymore. Like, and he's this white guy. And yeah. he's, then he says that he should be able to call you the N-word. Yeah. And I almost hit him and Beater is standing next to me. So I kind of bumped into Beater and it brought me back to, you know, reality that if I hit this guy, I'm going to be the bad guy. Right. You know, that, I read that story and it just makes me so fucking crazy that you, first of all, living, breathing, breathing while black, you know, like. The fact that you are not free to express yourself because of the consequences, simply because of your skin color, which is a whole shit that we created in this country. No one fucking, like, I don't think people in this country realize that before there wasn't even a black person and a white, it was just people. Like for hundreds of years ago, it's just like, oh, every, that was it. No one, we created this fucking shit. You I can, just- you can, you can feel that when you go other places. I know, and it's not even close. As a lesbian and a Jew, like I know when I go to a place and there's no Jews and I'm like, oh boy, because they can kind of tell, you know, or they'll say, oh, you're New York, you're from New York, you know. And I always, whenever I travel, if there are no people of color, I get, I'm like, I got to get out of here because I feel like, oh, my God, they're going to fucking kill me, you know. Uh, but it's like, I can hide being a Liz, you know. I can, not that I ever would, or I can straighten my hair or whatever I could do. I can't change my voice, but whatever. But you're a black man. And I've said this before on the podcast, you know. Henry's best friend growing up, DeAndre, they went to college. They were college roommates. And DeAndre had to fight. I think I just said this on a recent podcast. DeAndre had to 
take a different road to the airport in Indiana and to the Indianapolis. So he wouldn't drive through this one where the KKK originated, you know, like he had, it took him another extra half hour, you know, this is fucking shit. And I, and I love the idea because you're right. You're right about this moving the dollar around, you know, the Jews came over, they started little businesses, they helped each other, they built communities and I think Magic Johnson often said, you know, we have to, it's like, instead of our goal being to get out, it's, it's got to be to stay in and make it better. And, you know, but it's so hard because you were brought over here against your will and you're still fighting for, you know. Also, but I also think that people grossly underestimate or... History's not is not just like you have these suburban white women now not wanting uh, want critical race theory talk. Oh, got it. Because it makes our kids hate themselves, or whatever, right? But but I think that one of the things that if you really taught the history of America, what you would know is that what segregation did was created pools of black money. What happened though when you got those pools of black money? was terrorism that so the, the the black kid who's driving around doing the extra 30 minutes the reason that he has to do that extra 30 minutes if there would be no need for a clan if black people didn't start to do well right the clan is not an act of we don't have anything to do so let's go bother black people it was to keep them down yeah yes that's what people don't understand was, you know, that the black people were starting to make money. The Oklahoma. Look at Tulsa. The Tulsa, right. Uh, but, yeah. But I'm, but I'm saying there were literally countless Tulsas. There were countless pockets of that that got burned down, that got, that got beat up, that got uh, where they would rape someone. Right. Send a message. You guys can't. You guys can't build can. up to what we have. Right. Whole, what, what people don't understand, and, and it's very uncomfortable because white people always want to have an uncomfortable conversation until you start the uncomfortable conversation. They say, let's have it another time. But what people don't understand is what a Republican is, is not someone anymore because the, the, the veil's been lifted, the hood's been lifted, right? They're not people who are saying, hey, why don't we come up with a set of policies that are better than your set of policies? A lot of people don't know that in the 2020 convention, they literally didn't have a platform. Don't, don't take my word for that. Google right. the Republican platform. Right. You know what the Republican platform is? Don't let them. Right. You don't want them to get anything, do you? Right. Don't you want your white skin to matter? Right. You don't really want a fair race do you oh what 100 you don't want to lose power you don't want it's all about uh-oh we're losing our grip on this power right but these are the same people who who are vehemently against affirmative action so right well they're like well wait a minute you just got that just because but that's exactly what they're arguing we want it because right this white skin should it should give us a head start right period 
which they're, is they're, they they don't even pretend to have a platform. They're not saying we're gonna we're gonna improve education or we have a better tax. No, plan. they don't. They, it's all about look what that. they're doing. Look what they're taking from you. That's yeah. exactly what it is. And it's also funny as a comic hearing all these white male comics going, you know, it's really hard for me. And I'm like, fuck, try being a fucking woman. Try being a fucking les. Try being a person of color. Fuck you. Oh, yeah. you have a little something, you know, and it, and That's I. That's what the vote is for. That's right. what we're voting for. We, we, why can't we continue to have it all? Right. And it doesn't matter whether we're the funniest people here or not. That right. Matter. It just matters that, you know, we have the, and also I get yelled at for calling people entitled. And I have realized now that when I say entitled, if you have never had to have someone stand in front of the Supreme Court, protest on the streets for a basic human right, then you're fucking entitled. If you've never had to fight for for the everything that you're born and given, then you're a fucking entitled and go fuck yourself. All right, so I could talk to you for fucking ever. Um, Absolutely. First of all, John, I want everyone to go to your Blap app. It's really important, everyone out there, you know, we have to build up these communities. Yo, you know yeah. what's crazy is in my first pitch meeting, this guy said to me, he said, well, isn't that a little divisive? Isn't this like a little racist? And I was saying to him, just like you were saying right now about the march and the protests. And, right. I, and I explained to him, which he actually, oddly enough, agreed with me when it was over. When I explained to him, I said, well, the thing about this is because of the way that we came to this country and one of the things that we could not do was accumulate wealth, right? They've they thwarted that at every turn. And I and I don't even mean with just slavery. We're talking about right. mining. We're talking about the terrorization of when communities were starting to build up. We're talking about not being able to get the same, having the same relationships with banks during the COVID crisis. So a lot of people don't know almost half of Black-owned businesses went under during the pandemic. A lot of people don't know that because we didn't have relationships with the, with the banks the way that some of our white counterparts did. So our financial situation has always come with a unique set of circumstances, which means it's gonna require a unique solution. It's right. not some random thing. It's we've had 400 years of a headwind. So you gotta do something if, you're, if, if, these, if these communities are ever gonna be able to get a foothold. You gotta do something different. Right, and money, if nothing- Nothing talks louder than money in this country. And, you know, I grew up in a household where we, my parents often boycotted certain companies who had anti-Semitic or racist policies. You know, we were not allowed to, you know, buy this or that or, and my parents lived by that. And it's true. It's very important. And also the way they try to stop these people from voting, like, how can you call yourself an American and try to prevent someone from voting? Like, that is the simply the most un-American, and it's like, you fuck, I can't, I, it's, I, it's so infuriating. So I've been working on this joke that, you know, it doesn't, it, it, 
literally doesn't matter what you do in this country. It only matters who did it. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Because if, if you are Barack Obama and you have 30 credible women saying, hey, this guy assaulted me, you would never be president. Oh, my God. That joke you do about, like, you know, Trump. Third, three baby, baby mama. mamas. Three baby. <laughs> can you imagine a black guy with three baby mamas becoming president? Same people who got off their couch and voted for him, what would they say? Right. Wait a minute. Third baby mama who got pictures of her ass in the air. Oh, my God. I used to write, M Melania is the only first lady I've ever seen naked. And don't speak English. Yeah. Right. Can you but they don't care. And they hate Im immigrants. They hate foreigners. Like, they're just so fucking, I hate them all. Uh, go to Blap App, you fuckheads. All right, before we go, number one, I these are the two questions I ask all my guests. We are very pro-mental health. I suffer, you know, anxiety, depression, like the whole fucking inbred Jew gamut. So... What do you do for your mental health? You know what? I was just talking to a friend of mine who said that she was insanely depressed. She recently got hit by a car, so she's not been able to run. But I'm an athlete. Yeah. So, you know, today I did a five-mile run. So I think that that goes a long way for me. I also spend a lot of time by myself meditating. Um, I'm a huge law of attraction person. So, um yeah, I don't know. I, I think that I, I do a fair amount of What kind of meditation do you do? Just meditation. I just meditate. Uh, the 10, mindful? Yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah, that's what I do. I want to do transcendental medication. Medication. <laughs> meditation. But I'm not one of these hip fucking cool people who get their own mantra. You know, all these fucking guys get their own fucking mantra. And it's so annoying. And the, I don't know. I'll never be the cool one. Um, and then here's the last, you know, we call the podcast Kill Me Now because as you know, everything pisses me off. Yeah. Um, so I want to know what pisses you off more than anything in the internet, like makes you fucking crazy. What makes me fucking- Like so fucking mad. I think people- um... Thinking, I think when when someone thinks that I'm dumb, like oh yeah, that, you know what I mean. When someone says something to me that because uh, it's it's not the things that people would normally think. Like we were out the other day, and this white woman was like, "Hey, um, do you know where there's another exit?" And and I was like, "No," but the my friend standing next to me, she was lip. She was like, "He doesn't work here." Like, oh, I'm yeah. She and she was like, "Does he look like he works?" He's standing here with a drink. He's talking to us. He doesn't even have a. Drink. What are you talking? He doesn't work. And she went off on it. It didn't bother me a bit. But I think when people do, like, like think that I'm like dumb, like, hey, um, you know, I got this show for you, man. It'll be a lot of exposure. exposure. Oh, shut up! <laughs> shut the fuck up! Yo. <laughs> You trying to trick me into thinking that you're doing me a favor. You right. Oh, that makes my blood boil. I hate that too. Like, I'm doing you a favor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck you. You're yeah. lucky to have me, you fucking asshole. The that but was, that's. The person but, that was talking at the show, like, I was trying to help your act. Like, oh, I fucking hate that. <laughs> hey, and they come. The worst 
fucking heckler who's trying, who you're like, just shut the fuck up. And then afterwards they're like, oh my God, you were so funny. I'm like, fuck you, ruin my whole fucking train of thought, you asshole. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, I hear you. White men don't think that. They never, they always think they're the prize. Oh. Um, John, everyone loves you. I love you. Where love can they, you. where can people follow you? That he was funny. He was funny. He, yes. he is adorable. Check Blap. Blap. Yeah, download, please download Blap. And B-L-A-P-P. Share, share, share download. I can't thank you enough for coming on. I could I could do this for another two hours, but absolutely, I love well, you. I love you. Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with the incredible John Laster. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Brittany Joe Sowards. Now, if you are a listener and you haven't um, subscribed, what the fuck? I need you to subscribe and leave a review of five stars. Five stars, please. Five stars. It just helps. It helps in every, it helps my life. It helps, you know, people find the show. It helps me feel loved. I just want to feel loved. Also, if you haven't purchased my book, What's wrong with you? It's a great book. And if you love comedy, and it's very, you know, right now, especially with what happened with Whoopi and all the cancel culture and, you know, whatever. It's it's a very important, this is how my mother would have said it. It's a very important book. And I want you to, uh, I want you to read my daughter's book. So read the book and write another five-star review wherever you write five-star reviews for books. Also, I have some upcoming dates. If you're still listening, I love you. You know how I, you know how I feel like everyone just clicks it off, baby. But, you know, I am scheduled to be performing at the Strand Bookstore on February 26th. Queerotica Comedy, that's in New York City. Queerotica. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I am at uh, City Winery on March 10th in New York City. It's going to be, it sold out last time. It's a fucking great room. Come. It's so much fun. Uh, I'm at the Raz Room in uh, New Hope, Pennsylvania on March 12th. I am at the Raz Room at the Savoy Theater in Fort Lauderdale on March 26th. And that will be the week after Daylight Savings Time. Thank God I can't take any more. So, also, you know, follow me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. I'm at, I'm Judy Gold at Judy Gold J E W D Y G O L D because I am a Jew. Yes, I am. I'm a Jew. And you know, I I sit here and chat at the end of the show because I figure no one's listening, and I'm just gonna do what the fuck I want. So um, I want you to follow me and I just want, all right, don't you think this, this, uh, the uh, pandemic is almost over this COVID shit. I'm feeling like it is, but I really need fuck face, orange fuck face to go to jail just to, you know, be the icing on the, uh, and the cake. (laughs) I don't know what else to tell you. If you're still listening, you know, you're my favorite person in the entire world. Seriously. Cause I know no one's listening. And I don't care because I'll just, I'll still talk and talk and talk. Be safe. Wear your fucking masks. If you're not vaccinated or boosted, I don't even know what to tell you. Like, go fuck yourself. Seriously. 
and, uh, you know, just take care of yourself. It's February. That means the sun will be coming out soon and the days will be getting longer and won't be fucking freezing. I moved the mic away for that. So listen, have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. And as we always say, so long. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>